welcome back. So now what I'm going to do um, is I want to introduce our in-house insurance guru, Aaron Porter. Aaron is a delight to work with. He's a wealth of information with insurance. So Aaron, why don't you tell us a little back about yourself and your background? There you go. There. How's that now? Um, a little bit. You're breaking up a little bit. How about, how about let's just turn off my video so you can't see me and that might work better. Sounds great. Um, all right. All right. So um, sorry about that. I'm having some technical difficulties today, but um, my name's Aaron Porter. I am the, I'm the managing head, if you want to call me that, um, for, for our Royal Insurance Group here. Um, and I have... I've done just about everything um, in my in my life of growing up um, and and growing up into an adult, which I'm still not an adult, but you know that's okay. Um, I started out in the automotive field. Um, my dad owned a owned an automotive repair shop um, since I was in diapers, and um, so that's where I grew up, um, and I learned. Uh, very quickly that there is a specific tool for every job. Um, and, and because of that, um, you know, it's helped me, it's helped me in my, in my, you know, we'll call it professional career because I've learned that, you know, I'm not capable of doing everything by myself. And even if I am, you know, there's somebody that's probably better than me. And so, you know, having that person, um, having those other people, those other tools around me helps me to be better and it helps me to better provide for um, other people. So I don't know everything. I don't claim to know everything. And I'm probably, if you and I, if any of us get into a one-on-one -on -one conversation and you ask me a question, I'm probably going to tell you, I have no idea what the answer is to your question, but I'm going to work really, really hard to try and, you know, figure that out. Um, and, you know, I'll get back to you because I know somebody in my network is going to have that answer. Um, so that's who I am. Um, I guess we'll go a little bit into um, what, what, what we're doing with Royal Insurance. Um, we're trying, to, we're, we're, not trying. We are um, the one-stop shop for all of your insurance needs, right? So we get in, we do an insurance consult, and um, we take a look and make an assessment on your entire portfolio. Um, and then we take it a step further to start looking at um, where can we help your financial plan, where can we help your, um, your retirement plan, what about your taxes? Like, let's see what's going to happen with you when you retire with your taxes. Um, the, the, the statistic, so when you retire, the statistic, the nationwide statistic is that 99% of people, when they retire, their taxes don't decrease. Um, they actually bump up a, a tax bracket. Um, and so... That's, that's with 99% of people. And so, you know, we try to um, help assuage those, those statistics and, and you know, um, 
put you in a better position tax wise, put you in a better position retirement wise, put you in a better position um, generationally. Um, so um, that's that's one of our one of our things that we we we're really good at is um, helping helping with with your retirement taxes. Um, we also go into like okay so. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit off the edges today with everything that's been happening. Um, and so I'm just trying to get organized here. Um, Doing great, Aaron. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I guess, I guess we should start with, um, I, I kind of want to make this a little bit of a conversation. So I, I'd really love it if, if the group um, would, would, you know, raise your hand or speak up, or if you've got, you know, questions as we go through all of this, like, please, please reach out, send it in the chat, raise your hand. Um, and, and I'll try to, you know, we'll, we'll try to make this as, as informational and fun and not boring as possible. Um, so what can, can anybody tell me like what is happening in the economy right now? Um, you know, where, where are we going economically? What's happening inside the country? What's happening politically? What's happening, um, locally with you? What's happening nationwide? Um, are we, are we, are we coming into a recession? Are we, you know, is it a, is it a, what, what's the term, uh, a bull market? Um, are, are things growing? Um, I can answer that. Can. Yeah, yeah, please. Because I, you know, I've got my crystal ball right here. So yes, Chris, uh, it's a magic you. eight ball. So just ask it any questions and it's always right. But yes. uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm being very flippant about this. But uh, I, I think there's a lot of look, inflation is real. It's happening. We're at eight something percent. We just had rates raised by 0.75. And the Fed has basically said that they're, well, kind of, you know, it looks like we're going to have at least two more before the end of the year, you know, to see if we can tame inflation. And there's right. no question that they're trying to basically kill demand. I mean, it's understandable to kill inflation. But I, so, I think it's just, you know, we've been punch drunk on low interest rates for so long that we're all just kind of freaking out a bit because money's a bit more expensive now. But I, I think this mm -hmm. is really what shows the metal of real estate investors. You just got to make sure that much more that you have a good deal from the beginning and that maybe you're not going to be saved by a continually upward trending market. Um, but just, you know, put your big boy pants on and find a good deal from the beginning. So, so find a good deal from the beginning. So make mm -hmm. sure, make sure that you are. So how do you do that? How do you find that good deal from the beginning? Right. Do you spend all your time just searching through Craigslist and, and um, hoping that when that good deal pops up, that you have the capital sitting there so that you can go and buy that, buy that good deal. Are you asking for all my secret sauce here? No, I'm kidding. I'm I mean, kidding. I, 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 I am more than happy to, 
You know, right? for me personally, that and this might be kind of vague, but it, it's really about finding things off market and connecting with as many people as I can. Uh, and, and do it because once it, in my opinion, w once you are on the MLS or Craigslist or anything like that, you are competing against a lot of other people and the inefficiency is just not there. So I, I am constantly out there looking for, for value for beta. And so for me, it's, it's about connecting with others and solving problems together. And, you know, there's a quite a bit of marketing, uh, you know, in certain places too so that we can get the phone ringing um i found some you know some luck with uh, google ads for instance you know buying you know older houses and getting you know people to commit before they get on the market you know it's it's about being creative i mean if, if you have somebody who wants to sell their house but they don't have something else yet they've got a ton of equity in there but their house is a complete mess you know you can offer something like hey we'll trash out your house take what you want take your time you know close on the property but have them still in there uh, but if there's a ton of equity, there's this big pot of gold that's waiting for them to move out. Uh, and that solves a lot of problems for some people. Uh, I, I found that to be very successful for years and still right now. Um, but you got to be able to change with the market. Right. Okay. So people, so networking is all that one. If I, if I'm listening correctly, right. I got half of that. Oh, um, I said, so, so we're going to solve problems and networking, right? Yes. I mean, it, it sounds so vague and I, I could get into detail, but uh, yeah, absolutely. If you can solve, I mean, I think we forget that. I mean, if you can solve other people's problems, I mean, I have gotten more partners because other people have screwed up. Uh, and it's, it's amazing how many people are very short-sighted and, and don't realize that by taking the time to develop those relationships and to honor your word, it sounds so basic. You can continue, uh, you know, there's nothing worse to a real estate investor than finding a really good deal, for instance, and the capital that you're going to use all of a sudden disappears on you. Uh, because uh, that relationship with that person didn't work out or, or they just flaked on you at the last minute. Um, and I've been able to get clients just because that's happened to them. They don't want to ever see it happen again. I, I've never, ever, over the hundreds of deals I've done, ever backed out last minute, uh, you know, if I've already committed to it. Except for one guy, and that's because, uh, well, frankly, he was a criminal and I didn't find out until before closing. Uh, well, well, that, that's good. Yeah. Definitely don't want to do business with criminals. Okay, so my question is, how do you set yourself up to make sure that you have the, the liquidity to be able to pounce on those discounted deals, those, those good deals when they come up? No, that's, that's, an, that's an awesome question. Uh, and one I could spend an eternity talking about, but really what right. it, it's about is having multiple buckets of capital in which you can reach into a varying right. expense. And, and I'll just give a couple of examples. Um, if you have a stock portfolio, uh, you can borrow against that stock portfolio. I'm with interactive brokers and I can borrow mm -hmm. over 80% of my portfolio 
at less than 2%, interactive brokers. I've been with them for over 10 years. If anybody can tell me someplace cheaper that I can keep my stock uh, and can borrow for cheaper or borrow more against my portfolio, I am all ears. And I've, I've constantly searched and I found nobody who can get me right. better than um, right. So I'll use that for, for real estate deals and then pay it back. Uh, and that's a fantastic, that is a fantastic source of money. I've got one question about it though. Are sure. you protected from market downturns? Well, yes. Uh, yes and no. I mean, there's, there's risk in everything, right? Um, there's, oh, and, definitely. And, you know, your traditional margin account is limited to 50% and usually is in the high single digits, you know, mm -hmm. you know, where this one I can go up to 80%, but I just don't go up to 80%. Um, right. And, you know, so I have some wiggle room if there's a down market. I also will typically have more expensive money elsewhere that if the market does go down, I could borrow against that source, pay it off and don't have, and I don't have to worry about a margin call. Never have one. For sure. So yeah, margin uh, calls is not could be a, a HELOC maybe against your house that you don't use. That's mm -hmm. another good source. Um, right. You might have friends and family that, uh, you know, are dying, you know, to invest with you and, you know, that can come along. Um, right. There, there are multiple sources that you can, or hard money lenders uh, can be good, except that can be kind of slow. So we just be careful yeah. with that. Okay. Okay. Tell me, tell me your, okay. So basically what I'm getting at is why, why aren't we talking about cash value insurance? Why aren't we talking about cash value insurance? Yeah. Why, why is that not an option for you? Like, so Fair cash no, I, I've looked into it and yeah, I, I right? can give you my opinion and it's solely my opinion. No, no. And I, I would love to hear your opinion because a lot of the stuff that we look at in like, I mean, let's be honest here. I'm an insurance salesman, right? Right, right. Like, and, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to push you into anything that doesn't make sense. And I'm not going to also, you know, like, it's just another tool in your toolbox, right? Like, do right. I want you to put all of your money in that basket? Absolutely not, because that's foolish, right? I think it's a but, very fair question. And, and I'll give you my honest opinion of it is that, you know, as an investor, yes, you can't control the market. You know, it no. goes up, it goes down. You yep. can control your risk to a certain degree. But yes. one thing you can at least try to focus on is reducing your fees. And I have found in the whole borrow with, you know, life insurance, borrow against it, uh -huh. um, that two things happen typically. One, right, the amount of money that you pay to do that is high, in my opinion. Uh, okay. And the returns on your invested money, I have found are subpar. So okay. I just don't, I mean, and also for somebody like me, I don't know how to say it's outside of pompous. I'm, I'm, I'm very disciplined. Um, I, I know sometimes those kind of vehicles that you're talking about can be good for people that are not as disciplined where they're automatically putting money into it over and over again. Um, it just doesn't, I mean... I'm all ears. And if you want to talk offline or online about it. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, no, like, Chris, I would, I, I would love to get you into a meeting with, with, my, with, my, um, with my guy that, like, this is all he does all day long. He works with dudes that are huge, huge money worth, 
you know, like, I mean, and, and so basically with the insurance, it's all about mitigating risk, right? With, with those cash value policies and saying, okay, I can protect myself from market downturn because they have zero, like they have a floor. If the market goes negative, my money doesn't go negative. Right. Um, yes, they're not going to have the kind of returns that your, your other investments have, your, your, stock, your stock and your mutual funds. Um, they're not going to be as high. But there's that trade-off. They're never going to go negative. Um, and I mean, I don't have, I'm not nearly as good at talking about it as, as, as he is. Um, and so I really, job, I don't want to put, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth on it. Right. But um, it's just yeah, you and me like, here. Oh yeah. There would, I would love to, to, to like, and anybody, like I would love to get everybody into a meeting and, and show what we can do with this insurance. Cause it's, it literally, it's just another tool in your toolbox, right? Mm -hmm. It's another way. Sorry, go I ahead. Think, I'd like to hear about that too. I think uh, a lot of people probably would be interested in hearing how that works and what you have to offer. Yeah. So like it's, it's with your, with your cash value insurance policies, you can go, they have that 0% floor. So you don't, your money doesn't go negative which is really, really neat. Your annual returns are normally in the, the six to 8% range. You can borrow against them. Um, so you have that instant liquidity in case those, you know, discounts like we've been talking about come up in the market. And um, they like, they're, a, they're just another tool, right? Like, we should have access to all of our tools. Um, and, and for some people, they don't make sense. Like, I, I totally understand where Chris sits and he's like, I just don't see it being as valuable as I would want it to be. Um, well, and to be fair, it, that's just my current, you know, uh, you know, my current thoughts on it. I am I, willing to listen to anybody and I'm looking for yield wherever I can. Um, right. I, I, yeah. I just feel as a long-term investor myself, I can pay a lot less fees, get a higher return over time. But for right. a lot of people, they don't have the risk tolerance that I do. In 08, I sold nothing. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who panicked and sold everything. As a matter of fact, a lot of gurus that I listen to, you know, try to do the whole, you know, I'm just like you. I lost, you know, so much money in 2008. And I'm like, you've lost 30% of your portfolio in 2008. Why am I listening to you? Sorry, I'm going off topic <laughs> here. You know, uh, yeah. But um, no, for for the right person, it can be a, a wonderful vehicle. And there's also the side benefit, which I don't have with any of my investments, of having a life insurance. You know, part of it if something would happen to you. And right, right. So um, then, so I mean, there's always that death benefit right there, and 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 that's you know. I hate talking about death benefits. I hate talking about the. Why? It's a reality. Like, I mean, I, I appreciate it. It is a reality. Saying, but it's a reality. I mean, especially if you've got kids or you've got a wife and you're the sole breadwinner and you don't have a right. ton of assets, you are doing your family a disservice 
by not having some kind of life insurance. Just think of if you pass away, do you want your kids or your wife on the street? That's very true. I, I mean, you I should be my salesman. But that's, that is something that people should take very, very seriously. Chris, do you want to come sell insurance for me? <laughs> <laughs> the, so, but I mean, I totally agree with you. Like, we're all going to die. We're all going to, you know, and, and we're all going to leave somebody behind. And do we want to, what position do we want to leave them in when we pass on? When we, you know, um, and so, I mean, the, the, the life insurance bit, the death benefit, um, like you can, you can set yourself up to be that generational wealth so that you're not only passing on to your kids, but your grandkids and your great grandkids and your great, great grandkids. And that whole, it takes money to make money thing is, is kind of real, you know? Um, so I want to, I want to jump back to that bit that you, the, just to the, the comment that you made about, um, all of these, uh, investing gurus, right. And they come on stage and they say, I was in the 2008 bubble, just like you, you blah, right. At 2008, the market lost 42% in seven and a half months. And it took until 2015 to break even, right? So to come back from 2008, it took seven years to get back to where we were in 2008, um, the market. Now, some investors did better than others. Some people didn't go behind at all. Um, and and that, that just goes to show that you've got, you know, a good you're on top of your plan, right? You're, you're, you're using all of your tools that you have. Um, those guys that have- More than anything else, it's a matter of discipline. You know, it's human nature yeah. to want to sell when things are down and buy when things are really expensive. But you, you right. got to learn to not do that. Uh, and as right. a long-term investor, I, I mean, look, I'm just, I have a lot of, I have a lot of uh, ability for risk. I, I can tolerate it. Um, yes. Whereas a lot of people can't, especially in real estate, I find. There are a lot of people who want nothing to do with the stock market that are heavily involved in real estate. Um, mm -hmm. I sometimes feel like I'm on an island that I, I just chase yield. I'll take it wherever I can get it. I'm a full-time investor who just happens to be predominantly invested in real estate. Sorry if you guys can hear there, There's a vacuum going on downstairs. So that's why I'm going on and muting and going on. <laughs> but um, I, I find that, you know, over time, I mean, the market does a, a solid 11, 10 percent, you know, over decades. And um, yes, look, if I were older, I probably would want to reduce my risk even more. And, and, and these products might look even more competitive. But I, I right. you know, it's not even. But when I also consider the fact that I don't pay any fees you know, for these, the stock portfolio. And when I borrow against it, I, I pay very minimal, you know, less than 2% you right. know, in terms of interest. I find with this, and you're probably gonna hate me for using this word, but you know, infinite banking or any of its offshoots. So price, I, yeah, I hate that term infinite banking. It's I know, garbage. Yeah. 
but it's similar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I'm I'm happy to talk, you know, numbers and percents, but I'm just fine. You know, it, it's these insurance products right. expensive when you consider how much it costs to put your money into it. I'm sorry, it's just my conclusion. No, I I get it, and I would love to. Well. Chris, you and I are definitely, I'm going to get into your calendar. We're definitely going to have more of a, a longer, like more in-depth conversation. And I'm going to change your mind, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, I look forward to it. Okay. So the next, the next bit of like insurance, insurance is about eliminating risk entire, right? Like that's the whole name of the game is eliminating risk or not eliminating it, but Reducing. putting it on to somebody else, reducing it, right? So one of the things that, that the, the life insurance that gives you is statutory protection, statutory protection from bankruptcy, from divorce, from other, um, th- those are like the two main ones. Um, in, if, if you get divorced, your money inside of your life insurance policies are and this this i mean you know i'm hoping that none of you get divorced but it's a reality that's true exactly um will never be me my wife your money inside of the sorry (laughs) i'm gonna use a joke that my wife will never ever get divorced murder maybe but divorce never well you know Clearly, if I can say that on a recorded camera, uh, it's never going to happen. <laughs> Probably not. Well, I, I just said it, so it's fine. She's right behind me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I bet she's just sitting back there smiling, too. She shaking is. She's her the head same comment. She's more likely to kill yeah. me. She's the physician. She knows how to kill me without uh, anybody else knowing. So I, I need to be careful. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, that Julie, Julie has, a, has a question yes. or has a comment. Yeah, I just, I just saw that. Thank you, Alex. Uh, Julie, you've got a question for us. Yes, Aaron. Uh, I do have a question regarding the uh, whole life insurance. I understand that there is the cash value part and there is the death benefit part. And the cash uh-huh. value is growing and they're paying dividend to offset the inflation. However, I'm not sure if the death benefit also grows in the amount because let's say if I have a 1 million um, death benefit Mm -hmm. right now, after 50 years, that 1 million is not a lot to, to, um, you know, pay, pay for my, my kids and, and all the expenses. So do you know if the death benefit amount will grow in time or it's fixed? Yes. So that's a great question, Julie. Um, Both. The answer is both. There are policies that are, that, that are, have a flat death benefit. um, And then there are policies that have a, have a death benefit that grows over time. Um, it just entirely depends on how we set up the policies. Um, and they usually a, uh, the, 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 the policies that have a flat death benefit, um, most of the time, those are term policies. 
meaning that at the end of the term, um, 10, 20, 30 years, um, your death benefit goes away um, because the, the term ends. Um, there are some whole life policies that, that are a flat um, death benefit um, for the first 30 years of the policy. And then after 30 years, they will grow. Um, and then there are some that they grow from, I, I'm not a hundred, I've seen them, but I'm not like a hundred percent positive what they are, but I have seen them where they grow from day one. Um, it just entirely depends on how the policy is set up. And, and I completely agree a million dollars in 50 years, very likely could be like a thousand dollars, you know, with inflation, with everything that goes on in the world. I don't know what it's going to be, right? When, when our parents were 50 years ago, um, they were buying houses for $20,000. And now that same house could be a million dollars, right? So the, the, the inflation in the real estate has just been insane. So who's to say what's going to happen there? I don't know, but I know that I want to be protected. Um, let's see, Robert Vale just mentioned something here in the comments that I wanted to touch on. Um, wouldn't get, yeah, it, it doesn't like there. So Robert with the not getting a whole life policy that doesn't increase, it's, it's all based on what tool, because the policy that has a non-increasing value, death benefit value is going to do different things inside of the policy than what your increasing one does. Um, so, so a policy that, let's see, a million dollars in whole life coverage um, will end up costing a, somewhere between, for an average person, okay? The, these are all average numbers, but for a whole life policy, somebody that goes, somebody that's 35 goes and buys a whole life policy, pays on it until the day that they die. It pays out a million dollars. That policy is going to have costed them a, somewhere between 300 dollars and $400,000 over the course of their life. So it's they, the, their money compounded, you know, two and a half, three times three, 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 3.3 times or so. Um, so the, the cost of it is somewhat low. Um, I did a policy, um, illustration for a gentleman the other day. Um, he wanted to put $50,000 into his policy the first year. And then for the next 10 years, he put in $10,000 a year um, in premium. So all in, he put um, $130,000. Um, the, the gentleman was 56 years old right now. Um, by the time he was uh, 90, if he lived to be 90, 
um, his death benefit was worth um, just shy of a million dollars. And that policy on day one, after putting in, after starting the policy with that $50,000 in year one, um, he was able to borrow $42,000 of it. Um, and so that, that, that was something that, that worked for him. Um, but then we also have, I mean, if all we're looking at is, is the death benefit, um, and, and you're in a position where it's like, okay, I don't want a whole life policy. I want a term policy. Let's, let's take a look at there's, there's term policies that have, it's called a return of premium. Um, and so you, you pay into the policy for 20 years, um, to, to keep it active. And at the end of that 20 years, the insurance company will give you your money back. Um, the, the, the premium that you put in, they give it back. Now, it's not an investment because they don't give you extra money, but they do give you the premium that you put into it back. So that's, that's kind of cool. It's instead of, instead of renting a house, you're kind of almost like a sublease, right? Cause you get your money back. If that makes any sense. Can you borrow your death benefit like a reverse mortgage? Um, depending on the policy, yes. Uh, well, no, you can't borrow against the death benefit. You can borrow against the cash value of the policy. Um, so, the, and it's, and they're, they're different. And Julie, um, I would love to talk to you about it. Like we can, we can, um, we can get an appointment set up and I can show you what we can, we, we can go through on those for sure. Yeah. If someone doesn't have heirs, is it, is it still worth of getting a whole life insurance? I, I didn't, I didn't catch the beginning of that question. Could you if repeat it? If someone doesn't have heirs. Um, so that's, that's going to depend. What do you want to happen with your everything that you own when you die. So if you don't have heirs, maybe, maybe that, maybe that death benefit isn't really what's important to you. Maybe you want to structure uh, like what's happening with um, what's happening with all of your assets. Where are they going? Who's getting those distributed to? And, you know, are they just going into the ether or, you know, are you giving it to family members? I think, I think all of us in a way might not have children. So we don't have what we consider traditional heirs, but when we leave, there's still that legacy that we want to pass on to somebody. That's why I'm asking if someone can borrow their uh, death benefit, just because okay. when someone is reaching um, their 80s or 90s, maybe they have a huge expense for medical or they mm -hmm. have to go to nursing houses. And then because the insurance company has to pay out the death benefit anyway. So they might want to, let's say, take 80% of that death benefit and just pay off 
for the seniors to take care of them uh, at their final days. So there is, there is a, I'm not a hundred percent sure exactly what the product is or is called, but there is companies that will actually, you assign them as your beneficiary and they will give you, and Mm -hmm. and they will give you a loan against your, against your death benefit. Yeah. Yeah. So So it's not your death benefit at a discount. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I know that those do exist. I can't remember exactly what they're called. If you want more information on it, I can definitely get it and send it to you. Um, but yeah, those, I mean, if the money's there, the, the insurance company contractually has to pay it out, right? They can't not pay out on a life insurance. Um, as long as the, as long as we, the policyholder, held up our end of the contract, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Right. Yes. That's, that's one of the things that, um, we're focused really, we're focusing really, really hard on with the, um, the liability insurance side. Um, in making sure that our assets are properly protected, right? Um, we've had a, a bunch of a bunch of um, clients lately that um, their their insurance policies on their rental homes are improperly done, um, and so when they when and they've had a claim, and the insurance company denied the claim, right? Because they weren't set up properly which made the insurance company say, sorry, guys, you didn't hold up your end of the contract. So, you know, I want to make sure that you're always holding up your end of the contract um, so that you can um, collect when you need to. Um, Let's see, Robert, correct me if I'm wrong but technically the cash value portion of the whole life policies are part of the death benefit. You can borrow against the cash value portion and never pay it back. And it will be subtracted from the death benefit when it is eventually paid upon the death of the insured. That is, that is exactly correct, Robert. Yes. So when you borrow against the cash value of a, of a policy, um, it costs you a couple of percentage points. Um, and, and even in the illustrations, they won't tell you exactly what it's going to cost. They'll say the lowest cost is 0% and the most expensive is 8%. Um, we have a few clients that are currently borrowing against their cash value and it's right around 3% that they are paying. Um, I haven't done one in the last two months. And so I don't know what, um, if it, I don't know if the raising of the, of the rate these last couple months has affected, I don't know where it's sitting, but um, that's the way that they, they have it set up right now. Um, but yes, you're very right. So um, you're paying, you're borrowing against the cash value of your policy and you are, um, you never have to pay it back if you don't want um, because 
that money is going to get paid back when you die um, by the death benefit. So you know, I borrowed $250,000 against my million dollar policy death benefit. When I die, my heirs get $750,000. The $250,000 goes to pay back that loan that I took. Um, and let's see. Um, I'm in California. Is it worse to have earthquake insurance? Is it worth having earthquake insurance in California? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, here's the best answer that I can give you. It depends on your ability to recover financially if you were to experience an earthquake that was, um, that damaged something that needed repair. Right. So are you in a position to where you can pay for any damage that may happen? Or if you were to have an earthquake and your foundation shifted and your house, you know, it was a, what, say $50,000 bill to fix your house. Um, would you be able to from that? Um, <laughs> like this, how big the earthquake is. <laughs> that, that, that's exactly right. And so that's, that's the risk that you're going to take on personally. Right. Um, Liz, Liz just brought up a, a, a thing and she said, you know, as an insurance agent, I can't say you don't need it because that leaves me open to liability, which it does. Um, which is one of the reasons why I have to carry a huge amount of um, errors and omissions insurance. But that, like, you know, talking to you straight, like you are going to choose your risk. Um, I, I am not going to tell you. Yeah, I, I'm not going to tell you, you have to have this. The bank's going to tell you, you have to have property insurance, but me as your insurance agent, I'm going to say, here are your options. Here's what best practices are. You now need to take that information and make a choice as to what you want to do. Because when it comes down to it, it's your choice. It's not mine. It's not, um, you know, your children's, it's not your best friend, it's not your church pastor, it's your choice what you're going to do. And so you, you are the one who is responsible at that point. If that makes sense. Um, both Brendan and Chris both say they're not fans of earthquake insurance. Um, Brendan said um, in California, earthquake insurance his take is a no. Premiums are high. Deductibles are high. I would rely on a federal disaster fund and emergency loans for restorations. The government has an interest in keeping, keeping people housed. Um, and I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, we can take a look at uh, what happened in Louisiana with Katrina. 
Um, I can't remember what percentage of that of the city was lost, but it was a huge percentage, right? And most of those people did not have flood insurance, but yet they've rebuilt that city. So it's kind of a toss up, right? They've rebuilt the city, but at the same time, I know a lot of people that were drastically hurt from Katrina financially. So, yeah, it's a, it's a earthquake insurance is a tough one. Another one that people have a hard time with is flood insurance. They don't know whether they should have flood insurance or not. You know, I live in a desert. I live on a hill. Do I really need flood insurance? It's as, as, as your insurance agent, my, my generic answer is always yes, protect yourself. But at the same time, it's your risk that you are going to take on. If that makes sense. One last question. Uh, I yeah, heard that even if you have fire insurance, if it's wildfire uh, that's caused by nature, insurance the company doesn't really pay for that. Um. So that it, it comes. My understanding of it, and I don't have a perfect understanding, um, but my understanding of wildfires is that your it's it's a separate rider um so most of your of your dwelling and fire insurance that you have on your rental properties um are are for arson and electrical fires that start inside of the home if the fire comes from outside of the home and burns down the home it is an extra rider that you put on, um, but that's only from some carriers. Some carriers include it, some carriers don't. And so that would be one thing that you would might need to look at depending on where your house is located. Um, and, and something that maybe, maybe you want to, maybe you want to think about. Um, so let's see here. Um, Oh, it looks like we're kind of out of time here, but um, Megan had to hop off. My email is is in the chat. Um, you can email me directly. Um, if you go to the RLS website, um, there's meeting links there. You can book a meeting with me. My calendar, you know, is I've got lots of space in there. Um, and if I don't, then I'll just open more up. <laughs> um and, and, and we can, you know, discuss whatever, whatever needs to be taken care of. Um, it's, uh, I'll even my, my, uh, my email, my direct email is Aaron at Royal insurance or Royal legal solutions.com. Uh, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at Royal legal solutions.com. Um, and, um, yeah, I like, by all means, send me all your questions and, and, you know, we'll see what we can do for you guys. All right. Okay. You guys all have a fabulous, what day is it? Wednesday?
And uh, I look forward to talking to all of you soon.